Hello, I'm Peter King, and welcome to the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. This week, the maestro of fantasy football and of fantasy sports, Matthew Barry of ESPN.com, and also the most exciting young rusher in all of the National Football League, David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals. I asked Matthew Barry, how in the world did he ever get started in this crazy business? I sent them a note and I said, I'm a professional writer living out here in Hollywood, but fantasy sports are my passion. And so could I write a column on the side or something like that? I just think that'd be so much fun. And they wrote me back the next day and said, we looked you up on IMDb. Married with Children is our favorite show of all time. You're hired. So because wow. I had written on Married with Children, I got a shot to write this, a free column for Roto World on this internet site that no one had ever heard of. Yeah. But I was thrilled. And I asked one of the leading rushers in the National Football League, David Johnson, how he got so motivated to be good at football by simply doing a summer job. The first thing that came to my mind after the first day working out there, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to make this football thing last as long as I can <laughs> so I do not have to have a job like this. Now my conversation from the ESPN campus in Connecticut with Matthew Barry. Back on the MMQB podcast with Peter King. I'm here up in Bristol, Connecticut on the ESPN campus with Matthew Barry, who most of you will know because most of you who listen to this are among the 42 million people, not who listen to this podcast, but who play fantasy football in the United States. But anyway, Matthew, thanks for an audience today up in the middle of fantasy football season. Peter, anything for you. We talked about it on my podcast this morning after you sent your tweet uh, saying that you were interviewing me. And so my, my podcast co-host, Field Yates, brought up the fact that, like, oh, you're committing poddultery, which is what we, we call it <laughs> anytime one of us goes on a different podcast. So I'm committing poddultery, and I said... I normally don't like to do this, but anything for Peter. So I talked about uh, your graciousness and your kindness to me throughout my career. So pleasure and happy to do it. Well, I do think that what I would like to do is begin this by essentially talking about how I kind of got to know you a little bit and why I have a significant amount of respect for you. Most of the people in my side of the business, sort of reporters about football, believe that fantasy football guys get up, put their bathrobe on, get a big cup of coffee, and just read every newspaper in the United States about getting little tips to see who's going to carry the most times this week, C.J. Anderson or Booker. Right. You know, and, and so... I just like the fact that they think they're still newspapers. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you're right about that. Yeah. yeah. Websites. Yeah, fantasy guys go on the internet, right? So, um, but you called me one time, maybe about four or five years ago, and you said, hey, I'm going to the scouting combine, and I want to know if we could have a beer, have dinner. And I said, sure. So we did. And you explained to me basically what you were doing there. And you wanted to get further into this. Right. You didn't just want to read websites to find out what some beat writer said. You actually wanted to call Jason Garrett and say, who's your backup this week? Dunbar or Randall? Right. I mean, you, you really wanted to get deep into it. And so I think my advice to you is something like, most of these guys are going to tell you to fly a kite, but here's this what I correct. think you should do. I'll definitely introduce you to a few people, and then good luck, and I'll vouch for you, and I'll say you're very serious about this, but... I had a lot of respect when you did that. I appreciate that. And, I, you know, I've been going to the Combine every year, and I've developed a basic contacts. And, and while my Rolodex is not nearly as large as, you know, yours or Adam Schefter's or a lot of the people that have been doing this for a long, long time, uh, you know, I do have some sources. And so it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's a continual process, and it, it's not just about – looking at the stats. It's not just about watching game film. It's about talking to people. And so I feel very comfortable now at this point where I know if I have a question about a team, I know who to go to. I have a, a, I have a person that either uh, covers the team very, very well or is close to the team or works within the team or somewhere in the organization. I feel pretty good that at each team I have at least one person and sometimes multiple people that I can go and get an answer. And if all that fails, I mostly just say, Yo, Shefty, when you check in with so-and-so, <laughs> can you please also ask this for me? Who's so, running the ball for the Lions this weekend? Right. Hey, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be any good. So. Right. <laughs> and sometimes something like that is the answer. Yeah. That That is the answer. 
Matthew, I, I think a lot of people would want to know you're sort of on the pinnacle of this thing that so many people in America care about. And this is a broad question, but how in the world did you get into this and make it a cottage industry? That is, I mean, you told me we only have 23 minutes uh, for the <laughs> podcast. And I, so the very, I will give the very short version of how I got to here, and then uh, I will try to sort of uh, expand upon that. So specifically for me, I will say that I've been playing fantasy sports since I was 14 years old. I'm 46. So obviously a long, long time, you know, back in the days when you did it by hand and, and uh, you know, there was no such thing as personal computers, let alone, you know, tablets or anything like that. And so I moved out to, I went to, I went to Syracuse University. I wanted to be a sitcom or, or a movie writer and I moved out to Hollywood uh, to pursue that. In 1999, there was a website called Rotoworld, which is now very popular. But at that time, this is, again, this is the days of AOL and CompuServe and dial-up. You've got mail. Like, that was actually a, a novel thing that you got an email, if you remember those days. And so I was on that site all the time, and they were advertising for writers. They literally said, we're, you know, we're looking for fantasy writers. And I sent them a note, and I said, I'm a professional writer living out here in Hollywood, but fantasy sports is my passion. I just love it so much. And so could I... Could I write a column on the side or something like that? I just think that'd be so much fun. Can I send you a sample? Could I try out? Could I interview anything? And they wrote me back the next day and said, we looked you up on IMDb. Married with Children is our favorite show of all time. You're hired. So because wow. I had written on Married with Children, I got a shot to write this, a free column for Roto World on this internet site that no one had ever heard of. Yeah. But I was thrilled. And so I think I'm a pretty good writer. And after a while, they started having me do multiple sports and multiple columns and uh, I started doing a lot more. And in 2004, this was 1999 that I got the, the job at Roto World. In 2004, I developed a pretty good following of the column. And I, had, I was making a princely sum of $50 a column at that point after four and a half years. And so I, I wrote a book, and I, there's a much longer description of all this, uh, all this career path in there and, and sort of the answer to your question in that book. But the, um, the short version is that 2004, people were starting to make a little bit of money on the internet, and I was loving it. I loved my column more than my actual career, to be candid. And I thought, well, hey, maybe there's a chance to actually earn a little bit more money, do something on the side. So I left Roto World to start my own website in 2004 called talentedmrroto.com, which was my, which is still my nickname. And I didn't raise money. I didn't like go to VCs or anything like that. I scraped together 10,000 bucks of my own money and started the website. And I said, I basically went to every radio station I could find, every TV station I could find, every uh, website I could find. I said, I will write for you for free. I will come on your air for free. Just link back to my website. Just mention my website. And so obviously one of the first places I did that was ESPN. And I started doing it on uh, – so I started with ESPN 710 in L.A. with a guy named Steve Mason, who was a fan of my column. He does the Mason and Ireland show out there. And he gave me a shot. And so I started doing some stuff for 710. And then after 710, I got uh, – they brought me on to do a, a fantasy baseball segment uh, with a new baseball reporter. They were like, we're trying out this baseball reporter. We want to do something with him. So we had this idea for fantasy reality where the baseball reporter would give some news and then I would give like the fantasy spin. Uh, it was for Cold Pizza, if you remember that show. I remember it. Yeah. Uh, and the reporter was, they, they were like, we think we have something in this guy. He's never really done TV before, but we like him. His name's Buster Olney. <laughs> so um, I'm like, all right. I don't know whatever happened to him. He was nice, though. <laughs> I will tell you, he's a very nice guy. And uh, so I did that segment with Buster, and that went well. And then they brought me on to do some fantasy football stuff for ESPN News, which led me to um, – and sort of every step of the way, I would meet somebody at ESPN, and I'd say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm doing this stuff for cold pizza – and ESPN Radio in LA, I'm already sort of in the family. You want to do something for ESPN News? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, sure. We like your stuff. And then uh, then I met somebody from ESPN the magazine. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing something on uh, cold pizza and ESPN News and for your radio in LA. Why don't I write a column for the magazine? And they're like, okay. And they liked the guy was a fan of my writing. And so I started writing. And eventually, at some point uh, in 2006, you know, um, John Kozner, the great John Kozner, came to me and said, uh, we like uh, John Kozner and John Walsh, basically the mm -hmm. two Johns for people that, that sort of know the, uh, the executives at ESPN. They both came to me and, and they said, we, you know, we like the work you've been doing. We like the work you've been doing on air. At that point, my website was profitable and uh, had won a bunch of awards and had a good reputation. And like, no one was buying islands or anything like that, but we were in the black and we were making money on the Internet. And they basically said, we want... Um, 
we believe there's a real opportunity here with fantasy football. We we know that this is a, an exploding space. We know we need to do more in this area. We think we have an opportunity here, and we like the stuff you do. So we'd like to bring you to ESPN, bring you to Bristol, buy your website, and make you our senior director of fantasy sports. That was literally my title. Wow. And, you know, so they quite – you know, where do I sign? What year was right? that? That was 2000, late 2006. So, so the, the, I started on it. I was also doing a TV show with Ron Jaworski. We were doing called The Fantasy Show with X's and O's. And, and yeah. so, yeah, that was 2006. And part of my mandate from, from John Kozner and John Walsh was not just to be the front-facing talent for fantasy football and fantasy sports, frankly, at ESPN, and um, uh, to be another talent for the company. But in addition, it was also to be a front face, a, a internal uh, advocate for fantasy sports here at ESPN. So one of the things I did with the encouragement of those guys and a lot of other people here at ESPN, I mean, there was, there was a ton of very hardworking, very dedicated people here that were like, this is important, this is important to our fans, and we need to do better, and we need to, we, we need to expand our coverage and improve our game and do more and more and more. And so, you know, we spent, you know, from 2006 – you know, as of 20 minutes ago, you know, mm-hmm. constantly having meetings with all the various stakeholders and, you know, saying, here's why fantasy is important. Here's why it's fa- important to our fans. Here's the best way that we can present it. Here's you know something why, that we can honestly, do. why it's ridiculously important and why, uh, look, and, and I'm, I sort of chuckle at it because I think three or four weeks ago, I'm in my daughter's fantasy football league. She lives in Seattle. She's been the commissioner for the last, I don't know, five or six years. And there's a girl in the league who auto-drafts. She has a collie, and her name, the name of her team is Collie Nation Domination. <laughs> right. She, she auto-drafts. Right. And, of course, I take Tyler Irvin. And, sure. You know, and I, I really speculate, and I work hard at the start of the year to try to pick a good team. Mm-hmm. So she beat me 91 to 57, you know, a few <laughs> weeks ago. So the whole point is that, you know, one out of every eight, Americans plays fantasy football, which is absolutely remarkable. And that's why fantasy football particularly should be respected because everybody cares. You can say whatever you want about, about, oh, it's the ruination or it's this or it ruins fan interests of specific teams. But I've heard all the arguments. If 42 million people are doing it, first of all, what's it harming? I mean, it's not hurting anybody. Well, and that's the thing. The thing that always drives me crazy is when people say that, like, where they say, like, oh, it takes away your your fandom of this team or that team and that kind of stuff. And, and my feeling is, is, yes, there are absolutely people that now, instead of rooting for the Steelers, they root for their fantasy team, right? Or they, or they are a Steelers fan, but yet they will still root for Steve Smith to have a huge game against them because they've got Steve Smith on their fantasy team. And I know that bothers some purists. But my take is always is that to somebody that says that to me, it's like, how dare you legislate how I enjoy sports? Right. Because there right. are there's it's great to be a Steelers fan. I'm a diehard Redskins fan, will be till the day I die. But you know, I, I watch Texas A and M football entirely because well, I grew up there, but mostly because my dad and my mother live and die by it. And I know that is something that I bond with my parents over. And so I, I talk about the game with them, you know, the, the, before the games and after the games. And that's that's a bonding thing for me and my parents. And so I know th- there are people that go to the games just because they love the social aspect. They love tailgating. They love just hanging out with their friends in the stands. Right. And so there's lots of different ways to enjoy sports. And so if I want to root for a group of people that I have collected – Versus a group of people that John Schneider have collected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what's the yeah. difference? Yeah. Hey, by the way, can I give you my Matthew Barry trivia quiz? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Who is the mayor of College Station, Texas? That would be my mother, Nancy Barry. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Your mother is the mayor of a college town. Yeah, she really is. How'd that happen? She... uh well, we've, they've lived there for almost three decades, and she's and you always lived there for a while. I lived, I grew up there. Yeah. I grew up there. I went to co- high school there till I went to college, and uh, so they've always been very active in the community. My mother has done tons of different things. She was always my father's a professor at Texas A and M, and so my mother what does he, teach? he teaches uh, he teaches business and he teaches marketing services. But right now he's doing some stuff with with uh, it's, it's mostly customer service based. Basically, he teaches customer service, and um, he's been doing. I could talk about my father forever. It's uh, he's doing actually fascinating research 
just to veer off for a second, if you want, just Google Dr. Leonard Elberry. Um, he, you'll like this, Peter, because you and I have had conversations about health and everything like that. He, he realized he's been a customer service guy his entire life. He's on the board of directors of, of major corporations. Uh, you know, he's published tons of books. He's been in the Harvard Business Review a number of times. And, and he's, a, he's a customer service guru, one of the foremost authorities on customer service in the world. And so about 10, 12 years ago, he was, it was all, and it was entirely retail-based. 10, 12 years ago, uh, he realized that there was a real opportunity. He got invited to do a semester at the Mayo Clinic. The Mayo Clinic basically Is said- that in Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the famous Mayo Clinic, there's, there's also one in Arizona, but uh, he went to Minnesota. And they said, do um, come here, study, we'll give you access to everything. We want you to, and you can write a book about it, in exchange for, we'll give you full access, and you write a book, give us two weeks of consulting, how we can improve. And my father came away with two impressions. Number one is that the Mayo Clinic is amazing. And that, and so he did write a book, Lessons from the, uh, Lessons from the Mayo Clinic. But he also found out that like, it's such an amazing thing that when you hear that you've got cancer, your entire life changes, and everyone in your, in your world, their life changes, regardless of what ends up happening. Right. It changes, and my father believes that there is so much more that we can do as an industry uh, or as a, you know, as, a, as a people outside of the medicine, just forgetting the medicine, just in terms of like dealing with the emotional stress and trauma that that creates. And so my father has spent the last decade of his life studying this and trying to help hospitals and doctors and, and cancer institutes uh, improve customer care and patient care and and what we do for families upon hearing the words you have cancer. Wow. And so I mean and and so and he's now teaching classes at AM. I mean he's he's dedicated his life to it. And my father is like if I had come to this twenty years earlier, I'd have changed my career, I'd have become a doctor. Like so it's it's become my father's life work life's work. And so Do you sometimes go home yeah. and see your mom and dad and say, My God, my father is doing this incredible work uh, to help the world, right? My mother is the mayor of She's a, public a thriving servant, right? a thriving city in Texas, and really doing a lot of things to right. help and, real people. And, and, uh, and I, I wear makeup and talk about fake football on TV. Well, right. yeah, and you basically say, "What in the world am I doing? And when am I going to go join the Peace Corps and save right. three lives in the Solomon Islands?" Yeah, I mean, certainly you have those thoughts, but to be candid, honestly. I really love what I do, and I don't discount what I do. Fantasy football, I get asked, I'm going to answer your question a different way. Fantasy football, I get asked all the time in interviews, like, why is it so popular? You know, why did so many people, 42 million, right, play fantasy football? Why is it so popular? And I'm like, well, because it's fun. Like, I don't think it's rocket science. It's fun. Like, people enjoy it. Yeah. It adds to their enjoyment of football. If you are a football fan, it adds to your enjoyment. If you are not a football fan, it gives you a reason to watch and a reason to root. And it brings people together, you know, communities, and, and you know, I'm in a league with all my college buddies. And it's a reason I would have lost touch with them. But I, I'm still in the same league with them, and it gives us a reason to, um, to talk. Not that you and your daughter would not talk if it wasn't for fantasy football, but I am sure it brings you guys closer together. Yeah. It's another touch point for you and your daughter. And so the fact that I can, in some small way, help bring fun to people and help bring it bring people together like honestly like I feel like I'm bringing fun I feel like I'm bringing by promoting the game and and promoting all the things that are great about fantasy football that I'm listen I'm not saving lives over here I'm not uh you know I, I'm certainly not uh you know uh delivering food uh you know to some third world country but I feel like in my own little way I am actually contributing to society but not not to the extent of my parents to your point but anyway, last to answer your question, my mom just started volunteering a bunch of different things. She was like on the board of United Way. She was a docent at Texas A&M. She kept doing different things. And then finally, somebody suggested she run. She ran for city council. She did very well there. And then somebody suggested on, that she run for mayor. And she's been reelected twice. She's now wow. uh, in a couple of weeks. She will be out of office because she's reached her term limit. But she's just been elected as the county commissioner of Brazos County, which is Bryan and College Station, the the uh, the two towns there. So wow. she continues in public service. That's fantastic. So yeah, I'm super proud of my mom. That's really good. It's the MMQB podcast. This is Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical. 
for candid conversations with the biggest names around the NBA, be sure to check out our podcast network, which includes the Vertical Podcast with Woj, the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Redick, and the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix, all at thevertical.com, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Football's back. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's the 50-yard line, the club seats, or the upper deck. Now, pay attention to this next part because it's really important. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's 20 bucks right in your pocket. And to get it, all you have to do is this. Download the free SeatGeek app and go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Then, Enter promo code MMQB. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It doesn't get any easier. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code MMQB today. Uh, With Matthew Berry on the MMQB podcast with Peter King. So, Matthew, you know, I'm going to... uh, (laughs) One of the reasons that it just sort of struck me that I really wanted to have you on the podcast is that a week or so ago, I looked down and you tweeted something to the effect of, hey, David Johnson, the hot running back for Arizona, David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott are now going to be in competition for the first pick in the 2017 draft. And I started to think to myself, can you imagine you live your life here we are on whatever it was, October 15th. Right. And you live your life thinking, okay, you got to think of of like of David Johnson like he's a future stock. <laughs> you know, like you're trying to find out, should I buy Microsoft or should I buy this new company, this new tech company? Right. And so I wonder, do you ever think, are you fascinated by this? Or when you think about that, do you say, man, I wish I could just watch the games and enjoy them? There is a part of me that wishes I could just watch the games and enjoy them because I do have to watch football with a very specific point of view. I love it and everything like that, but every once in a while, uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I love playoff football because once playoff football hits, and there's there's daily in that, but generally speaking, once playoff football hits, I can just watch football and enjoy football for football. Uh, and so I, I love playoff football. So I do have to watch it with a very specific point of view, but, uh, you know... As the movie once said, like, this is the life I've chosen, right? <laughs> hey, by the way, you will be pretty excited. Okay. You are sharing the billing on this week's podcast mm-hmm. with David Johnson. Oh, wow. Sure. Yeah. So Fantasy superstar. Yeah, you're going to, and you will really he needs like- a, He needs a nickname. Have you figured out a nickname yet for him? Uh, I know other people have ta- have been talking about this. I'm not very good at that. Why? Do you have one? Well, we talked about this last year, actually, when he was coming yeah. on. We actually talked, and it didn't catch on. Uh, on my podcast, we came up with DJ Score Rock. <laughs> All right, it's terrible. It's a terrible yeah, nickname, but you remember it. Yeah. yeah. So I also suggested DJ Pointsy Points. Also, yeah. not catching on. Yeah, that's like that Horsey McFace or something. Yeah, Bodie like McBoatface. Bodie McBoatface. Yeah, in England. Right. All right. So uh, I'll tell you something that you may not know about about David Johnson. All right. And then I want to ask. Did you, you a tell question. David Johnson something you did not know about me? No, because That's I wasn't. Fair. Po- I wasn't positive you were going to be the he- the oh, got it. that you and he were going to be on the show together. I actually okay. taped David Johnson last Wednesday in got Tempe. It. All right, fair enough. But you could text him and ask him. You could add it on to. The I will. Well, I'll tell sure. him. I'll tell him that he probably doesn't gonna, know you're who I am. Join him. Yeah. I'm sure. No, he does because we talked about fantasy football. Okay. Okay. And so, people, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously, you got to hang around and listen to what David Johnson thinks of fantasy football. He, first of all, he's yeah. the nicest guy in the world. I've met he him is, very briefly, yeah, very nice. He's yeah. really a nice guy. But anyway, what I find so fascinating about David Johnson is that the Arizona Cardinals were never going to draft him. Right. And in wow. the second round, of the 2015 draft, they're one player away from getting Amir Abdullah. <laughs> that was the gu- that was the guy they had the gleam in their eye about, Amir Abdullah. And then what happens? Terry McDonough, the assistant GM of the Arizona Cardinals, is on the phone 
with Amir Abdullah saying, hey, are you all right? Is everything all right? Have you been hurt? You, you okay? Anybody call you? And Amir Abdullah all of a sudden, and I'm you know, paraphrasing, hey, uh, uh, I got another call. Hold on. And it's a Detroit Lions calling saying, we're going to pick you. Right. Wow. So, the, you know, the Cardinals are devastated. So then instead of doing that, their next two picks, Marcus Golden uh-huh. and David Johnson. So, go. I mean, they wouldn't trade either of one of those not. guys right now for, uh, Amir, for Abdullah. Amir Abdullah. Well, it just goes to show you, and this is one of the things that you try to express and, you know, some people don't always understand in terms of you try to make the best educated guess that you can. And you do all the research and you talk to all the people, but sometimes even the people who know don't know, right? The Arizona Cardinals, who their entire scouting department, who spent, you know, tons of hours scouting tape, watching game film, going to games, interviewing players, and they thought, we think Amir Abdullah has a better NFL chance than David Johnson right. at the running back position. And then they get David Johnson, and they still don't know what they have. And it isn't until Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington get hurt, and they're sort of their hand is sort that of he forced, gets his real that he gets his real chance, and yeah. now he's just run the ball 41 times or whatever it was you know, the other night. So, I mean, it's, it's sometimes I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with a, with a coach or a personnel person when I've said, what do you think is going to happen? They say, well, we're really going to target this player. We think we've, we've identified something in the, uh, in the film. We think this guy's going to have a big game this week. And then that guy goes out two for 15. Yeah. And it just because of the way the game flows and the quarterback sees a different read. And, and plus just, the, other thing, the other thing, Matthew, I, I firmly believe this. When I left Houston Texans training camp, Mm -hmm. I was convinced that Tyler Irvin was going to be a big factor right away. You told me that. In 2017. 2016, rather. And, you know, sometimes something happens. You know, I'm in training camp for a day to two days, a day and a half usually, okay? So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'll never forget. I mean, and I'm wrong a lot more than I'm right, but I'll never forget. Uh, telling everybody uh, whatever year he was a rookie, take Arian Foster. Yeah, sure. Just take Arian Foster because they love him, and there's a bunch of fluky things, a hamstring and everything like that, that made him not get drafted, but he's going to be really good. I but, remember last year you told me, because you and I, we always talk, and I was give me a couple of guys. Yeah. This year Tyler Irwin's one of the guys yeah. that you gave me. But last year one of the guys you gave me is he says, I, you said Alan Hearns. And yeah. I'm like, really? Because, you know, Alan Robinson is a guy I really like as a sleeper this year. And I said, I don't know. They love Alan Hearns. And, and Robinson was a sleeper last year for myself and a lot of other people that do fantasy analysis. But no one was talking about Alan Hearns. And based on you just telling me that, I threw him at the end of a column like, hey, this is sort of interesting, worth a late round flyer. And of course, Alan Hearns had a monster season last year. So yeah. no doubt. But, you know, it's, but I am convinced that a lot of it is luck of the draw. And a lot of it, you do as much homework as you can. But I want to ask you two things specifically about this and this sort of life in the little time we have left. So if I were to ask you in the course of a week, like this one, let's say, and everybody wants to know, God, I, I need a running back this week. I need a running back. I mean, all the running backs, because everybody always does such great homework, almost all the running backs are taken who are going to even touch the ball this right. weekend. So what do you tell people? Depends on your league. Scour the waiver wire. I mean, Jacques Rogers is still available in about three-fourths of ESPN.com leagues, which well, is that's insane. insane. To, that's insane. I, I'm with you. That's I insane. think we've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. Crazy. So, But you just sort of, ideally, you're looking ahead of... I mean, I asked that question right. thinking that you're going to be in a league with a bunch of intelligent people. And whatever it is, I mean, to but not that's have a ten, Jacquees... First off, that's a 10-team yeah. league, ESPN.com, 10-team leagues, where you only have 16 uh, roster spots. And so, and people are like, oh, those percentages, those are dead leagues. And they aren't. We have a specific group of active leagues that we monitor, and we use that percentage. Um, and so... Yeah, you'd be you'd be surprised at um, uh, who is still available, but I think it's important to like to note uh, sort of who's coming up and and where potential is. So, for example, Kadeem Carey is somebody that should be owned in more leagues, right? Right. And I, I don't know if anyone who's just looking at the box score he hasn't put up big numbers, but anyone that's watched the Bears the last two weeks knows he's been the best running back they've had. Jordan Howard's had this quarter of monster run, but he was the only guy. Then Kadeem Carey finally gets healthy in the last two weeks. He's out snapped and outplayed 
Jordan Howard. Uh, sorry, two weeks ago he did not outsnap Jordan Howard, but he was right. actually more productive than Jordan. So I think it's just one of those kind of things. Ty Montgomery is somebody that we talked about like a couple of weeks ago, and now actually um, ESPN just made Ty Montgomery a, a running, running back. back. Yeah, yeah, he's now running back and wide receiver eligible. He's eligible both positions because so he's a, some... he's all of a sudden a really interesting guy. Sure, because he went out, he went whatever nine for eighty one. I mean, he had whatever really productive day. But like Alfred Blue, people should be picking up Alfred Blue this week. Lamar Miller came back in the game and and finished the game, right? But um, this is Monday night against it, Denver, yeah, yeah. But we don't know. Like, how yeah. many times have we seen a guy go get injured, come back in the game, finish, and then you find out a couple of days later? I wish they'd he's give. And, up. and this is not. Be, I mean, I've dropped him, but you know, I just Tyler Irvin. I think they need to put Tyler Irvin in there from scrimmage, and I'll tell you why. I mean, to me, right now, the Houston Texans are in crisis. On offense, you think, and <laughs> and uh, they, you know they're not; they're just a bad offensive team because yeah, sure. they can't rely on the quarterback to be accurate. That's why I think they need a Darren Sproles in the backfield. That's what Tyler Irvin is; he's the next Darren Sproles. They, I mean, Osweiler did dump off a lot of passes to the running back That's when all he, he was did. in when yeah. he was in Denver, and so it's interesting that you mentioned that. Although I will say Lamar Miller's a very good pass catching running back, yeah. but just in terms of identifying trends, so another guy that probably is available in almost every league. How about Robert Kelly and mm-hmm. Chris Thompson in Washington? Like, I realize Jay Gruden gave support to Matt Jones, but, I mean, he has had fumble issues in the past. He had them in college. He had them last year. It's a, it's a red flag. And honestly, I believe they lost that game against Detroit because of Matt Jones. You can't fumble. You can't fumble yeah. in the red. You know, on the road like that. You just can't fumble like that. And so I believe Robert Kelly, who had a great preseason, and Chris Thompson, who was really terrific. Those are two guys that are going to get more run on a pretty good offense. So it's uh, in terms of searching for running backs in fantasy, it's a little bit of trying to see why did something happen, what's going to happen in the future, or just listen to my podcast, I guess. You're listening to the MMQB podcast. Hey everybody, listen up! You don't want to miss this. Make sure you remember these four letters, MMQB. Sometimes it feels like there aren't enough hours in the day, especially when you're working past the normal 9 to 5. So, if you're still making that time-consuming trip to the post office, you need a better way. Use stamps.com. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do right from your desk with stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. You can get your postage whenever you need it, 24-7. Now, here's the part I told you to remember. Right now, for my listeners, sign up for Stamps.com and use my promo code MMQB for this special offer. A four-week trial, plus... A $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Within minutes, you'll be printing postage right from your desk. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in MMQB. Don't forget the microphone at the top of the screen. That's stamps.com. Click the microphone and enter MMQB. Okay, so I have this little pet peeve about fantasy football, and I always have had it. I've heard them all. Go for it. I think it's utterly preposterous that running backs are valued higher in fantasy football than quarterbacks, and quite honestly, than wide receivers, because in football today, uh, running backs are not as important as quarterbacks and wide receivers in the real sport of football. Now, they are important. Don't get me wrong. And as the Arizona Cardinals will tell you, will show you right now, the most important player on their team all of a sudden is David Johnson. Sure, of course. But for the most part, you look at most teams in the NFL. And so my big pet peeve is the over-importance of running backs. Respond. Well, I think there's a couple of solutions to that. And some are like, so there's two quarterback leagues. There are league PPR leagues, I think, take some of the onus off of running backs and make it much more of a pass friendly or wide receiver heavy league. Part of the problem is, is that, and I know this is going to seem crazy given what we've seen so far, but part of the problem is, is that there's too many good quarterbacks. So when you only, if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, there's 12 good quarterbacks out there that can put up good fantasy points. And there's enough other guys that in a given week with the right matchup can put up numbers. So 
partially well, it's what just, you're saying is so there's only a couple of Ezekiel Elliott's, Le'Veon Bell's, and right. now David Johnson. That's why running back is so important because there's such a commoditization, which isn't sort of it. exactly word of the running back position because so many teams have gone by running back by committee. There's so few bell cow running backs, and most teams have a decent quarterback. Not all the teams, but most teams have a decent quarterback. I think you could argue more teams in the NFL have a better quarterback situation than they do running back situation if you were to take one running back. Right. There are a lot of teams that do committees and they sort of get by with that. But right. to your point, there's there's only there's a handful of Le'Veon Bells, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnsons, Adrian Peterson when he's healthy. I get it. LaShawn McCoy, yeah. Matthew, uh, you have had a weird life in, <laughs> yes. in this way, in this way. That sometimes and occasionally we've talked, some you can talk about, some you can't, but sometimes the phone rings and the guy on the other end is an extraordinarily famous person. So what happens when a famous person calls you and wants help and tell us a story of somebody who you might have helped at one point who you say, wow, that guy's really into fantasy football. That's cool. Um, well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of celebs that reach out and I'm always thrilled to do it. I'm thrilled to do it because I believe my job is among, in addition to analyzing fantasy football, my job is to promote fantasy football, both internally here at ESPN, which I continually do and to all of our fans. So if I can get a celebrity to play fantasy football or I can help their enjoyment of it and then they're tweeting about it, the more and more somebody does it, you know, the more popular it becomes, right? So that's, I think that's fantastic. Um, let's see. Well, I was here's one that I think was was really cool and is, has been uh, really fun, and that is uh, so. This past year, I get a call. Well, this summer, I get a call from Anna Ferris. I don't know if you know who she oh, is, sure. the actress. Yeah. She's yeah. terrific, right? And her producer reached out, and so she does a podcast called Anna Ferris is Unqualified, and it's her asking opinion questions about subjects she knows nothing about. <laughs> and she says, and she says, we'd like you to come on the podcast. And the reason is, is because her husband, Chris Pratt, of course, you know, yeah. uh, you know, Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy, huge movie star. Her husband, Chris Pratt, is joining a fantasy football league for the very first time. And apparently the entry fee is, is uh, fairly high. And she does not want him to lose his shirt. Right. So she does not want him. Uh, she feels like he's getting into a league with a bunch of sharks. And yeah. she wants to make sure. So she is having me on the podcast entirely to recruit me to help her with her husband. <laughs> and so I came on the podcast and we talked about it and the whole thing. And so I've been helping Chris Pratt out a little bit. And so that's been fun. So he's a very knowledgeable NFL fan and a quick learn at, at fantasy football. So um, that's been fun. And as a result of that, actually, on our podcast, we have a celebrity fantasy football league. And sometimes you see these celebrity leagues, Peter, and they're, there's different levels of fame, I should say. I, you know, or different. Uh, I don't, I want, I'm trying to say this plainly. I wanted stars. I wanted celebrities where you don't have to explain yeah. who they are. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when, when you have to say like, well, he was, you know – Joe the cab driver on the on the you know what's going down episode of that's my mama or whatever the whatever the reference was from uh, coming to America, right? So when you have to explain them, they're not really a celebrity, right? So I wanted like uh, a real celebrity league. ESPN asked me to put one together, and I said I will only do it if we can get real real celebrities. Right. And together with the help of ESPN, we managed to do that. And so we have a fourteen team league. We actually had people asking us to join the league this year. It's the second year we've done it. And so if I may name drop for a little Go bit. Ahead. about who yeah. here, and So everyone in the league actually plays fantasy football in our league, which I think is really cool. So that's been part of the fun. Kevin Durant. Wow. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Evan Longoria. Anna Ferris. So I came on her podcast, and I will do that. I said, but you have to play, yeah. play in this league. So now she's she co-owns a team with her podcast producer. Chelsea Handler. Wow. Uh, Ike Barinholtz. Zach Efron. Uh, your your assistant just literally gasped. That's the that's the reaction <laughs> yeah. when uh, when I mentioned Zach Efron's uh, name. Jim Parsons. Oh yeah, you know who's uh, who's absolutely terrific. Uh, let's see, that's nine. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Let me ask but, you this question. Yeah. Anyway, so is there trash talk in your league? Oh yeah, yeah. Is that's there? that's the best part, and it's all off the record. But Chelsea Handler is a hilarious. And dirty, dirty trash talker. I mean, it's just—is <laughs> she any good at fantasy football? She's and getting does she better. Pick her own team. 
she had help. She yeah. um, so we, which we fully admit. So she had a producer because here's the thing: the the most important thing for me was that we didn't want people to have a bad experience. So I didn't right. want Chelsea to come in there because it was her first time. Right. Oh, Miles Teller. Oh, I'm, yeah. here's who I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting Miles Teller. Yeah. He's terrific. And Lord and Miller. This is the one I do have to explain. Oh, Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker's in the league. Wow. And uh, Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller are the directing team of 22 Jump Street, of the Lego movie, and they're currently uh, overseas directing the new Han Solo movie. Wow. And they're hardcore fantasy football players. So, And we have them all on the podcast, and they're all great. So Chelsea picked her team with her with her producer. So she would say between this guy and this guy. But like she, when I was, I did her show to explain fantasy football to her, which is how we got Chelsea, and Chelsea was like, well, I love Cam Newton. I'm like, well, you should pick him. So she's like, she picked Cam Newton. Cam Newton's her quarterback. So yeah. so she's following along. We had her on the podcast, and she's like, I don't totally understand football, but I know who my players are, and I'm following along, and she's having a great time of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been that's Let been me ask coolest. you a question. Does Barack Obama play fantasy football? I don't know. About- I wouldn't be surprised if he does, obviously, because he's, a, with he's a an beard. avid sports yeah, fan. With, yeah. And but I know a lot of politicians do. I mean, we yeah. saw it like uh, Rubio and Chris Christie and Rubio is a huge Dolphins fan. and Jeb Bush. A lot of them all mentioned that they play fantasy football during uh, during the debates uh, during the Republican yeah. primaries. How about and Trump? I don't. I can't imagine Trump's play fantasy. I saw football. Trump on the sidelines in Foxborough about three years ago. And uh, very garrulous, very outgoing. I mean, he said hello, and we talked about football for a couple of minutes. Uh, but he and he definitely is a Brady guy, and they yeah. talk a lot. You know, so I, I could yeah. see it. Here's the thing: I've come to the point where I'm never shocked that anyone plays yeah. Yeah. fantasy football. Uh, you know, I've the last five years I've been invited to. This is again, this is the super name droppy part of your podcast, and I apologize for this, but I know you you asked me for this. But and I bring this up only because it speaks to your point. The last I get I get this call five years ago saying we'd like you to come to our draft, and I'm like, hey, thanks, appreciate it, but I don't really go to random people's drafts. And he says it's for Jay Z's league. What time do you need me? <laughs> right? And so, like, who knew Jay Z played fantasy football? And he's like a hard. He's in a he's in a twelve team three wide receiver PPR league. He is hardcore into it and so the last five years they always invite me and I go and I just sort of hang out at the draft and it's always just a lot of fun uh, Chris Paul is in that league wow. uh, from the Clippers and it's always imp- I'm so I'm never shocked at when I find out somebody plays fantasy football so I mean just I feel like Peter the P- I'm more shocked when I find out somebody who doesn't <laughs> Matthew Barry uh, on the MMQB podcast with Peter King thank you so much for joining me it was a lot of fun my pleasure thanks for having me it's the MMQB podcast I want to ask my listeners a quick question. How would you like to get three home-cooked meals for free? That sounds like my kind of deal. Well, all you have to do is remember these four letters, MMQB. Easy enough, right? Keep listening, and I'll tell you how to get those free meals. Look, we all know there's nothing better than a great home-cooked meal, and no one makes it easier for you to do that than Blue Apron. Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their suppliers and only bring you the best ingredients, all right to your door. You can customize your recipes every week based on your preferences. Choose delivery options to fit your needs. There's no weekly commitment, so you'll only get the deliveries when you want them you won't be disappointed. Now comes that part about the three free meals I was talking about. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash MMQB. Think about it. Three free meals just by adding in the letters MMQB. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Once again... That's blueapron.com slash MMQB. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. Back on the Peter King Podcast, I'm here with David Johnson, running back of the Arizona Cardinals. We're in Tempe, Arizona, where the Cardinals have a training facility, uh, and we're back in a little tiny room right by their locker room and just had the good fortune of uh, working the Cardinals locker room, a lot of good guys in that room. So, David, I think 
one of the interesting things that I've seen about you is that, you know, nobody really knows who you are. You know, you sort of exploded onto the scene with, you know, a three-touchdown game on Monday night and so many uh, great runs so far in your very young NFL career. So could you have had any idea you would have played this well coming out of Northern Iowa, being a third-round pick by the Cardinals in 2015? Uh, you know what? Uh, I feel like, you know, with my confidence, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm very confident in my ability to play. But, you know, this is definitely a blessing uh, to be able to come on and be, have this much success and, uh, you know, getting drafted in the third round, coming from a small school. And, you know, um, it's been going good. David, I wonder if you saw on the All or Nothing documentary that was done on the Cardinals, in the second episode of that series, there was a scene where in the draft room on draft day 2015, the Cardinals were on the phone with Amir Abdullah in the second round, and they thought that they had him because the next pick, they were probably going to take Amir Abdullah. Then the Lions took him. And so that paved the way for you to get picked here. Did you see it? And does that seem a little bit weird to see? I did see that. Um, it was a little weird, but, you know, uh, it worked out well. It worked out great for me. Um, you know, I'm just blessed that it did work out that way. Uh, came to a great organization, great team, you know, a lot of great veterans on the team. And B.A. is so good at um, not just using me effectively in the running game, but also in the uh, passing game. That's Bruce Arians, your head coach. And, you know, just looking a little bit at your track record, you had a 203-yard receiving game in college against Iowa. So has pass catching always come naturally to you? Definitely. It has definitely um, come natural. Played running back and receiver in high school. Um, you know, I was getting recruited to play athlete, played receiver for a little bit in college at UNI until they moved me to running back. So it's always been natural to me. Uh, we're with David Johnson, breakout running back of the Arizona Cardinals. So, David, the most interesting part of your story, at least to me, is that when you were in college, you stayed at Northern Iowa over the summer instead of going home. And one summer, you had a job removing asbestos from, I guess, college dorms. Is that right? Can you tell me about that job and tell me how much fun it was? <laughs> So, uh, like you said, that was my first summer in college. Um, I, we had to get a job in order to stay there and work out. That was our thing that we had to do, and I did asbestos removal. Were you um, also taking classes at the time, or no? No, I didn't have no. to take classes. Uh, I was able. So you're to, just working out, just, and yeah, just working out. But having that asbestos job was tough working out because I was in there wearing a full suit with a mask in the hot heat in a building with no AC, obviously, because we had to remove the uh, asbestos, and that's the glue that's in tile, that's in the drywall and stuff. And you know X did it, too, also on my team, and, I was, and we were in there sweating. Who did it? Also? Xavier Williams. Oh, okay, all right. He was uh, one of our D linemen. And we were in there sweating, losing so much weight. It was tough to keep our weight on. Um, and so what we had to do was go in there and scrape the glue off with these little, um, look like chisels type things. You had to go and scrape the glue. Um, off of the uh, tile, under the tile, and uh, scrape up the tiles. And then we had to go in there and knock down the drywall. And, man, that was uh, one of my toughest jobs I've ever had <laughs> because, uh, you know, the drywall gets a little itchy. And it's probably 90 degrees. 90, de 90 degrees humid, and we had no A.C. It was a tough job. Wow. I bet you do that, and you start to think to yourself, I never want to work for a living, you know. <laughs> I better be good at football. Yes, that is the first thing that came to my mind after the first day working out there. Um, you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to make this football thing last as long as I can <laughs> so I do not have to have a job like this. But the other years you were there, I heard stories about you're a pretty good handyman. What did you do? So, um, I, you know, last three year, summers there, um, I ended up doing maintenance at the dorms where I was going around uh, every room in the dorms and fixing up the rooms uh, from the students that stayed there during the year. And what I did was uh, um, unclog drains, fix windows, um, which I did a lot, fix dressers, um, beds, basically everything that had to do with the dorm room. And uh, me and a couple other guys would go in there. We had our own room, go fix blinds, um, fix lights. I mean, I learned how to do a lot of stuff being a handyman. Well... Your post-career ought to be kind of fun. You can maybe be a, 
be a carpenter or be something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I learned yeah. a lot of stuff from that. And maybe, who knows, I might end up uh, building my own house someday. <laughs> yeah. Back on the MMQB podcast with Peter King with, with David Johnson. So, David, I, I always am curious when a guy comes from college football to the pros – and I remember on draft day, they showed some highlights of you. It was either on ESPN or NFL Network. And you were always running away from people. And you weren't really, I didn't know the physical side of you existed. And then you came to the NFL. And I think one of the things that has pleasantly surprised the Cardinals and a lot of people around the league is that you can run between the tackles. You can break tackles. You can be physical. Is that a side of you that we just didn't see at Northern Iowa? I think so. Um, I think that was one of the things because uh, that's one of the things I was getting knocked on, actually, coming into the pros is that a lot of the scouts were saying I wasn't physical. But um, if you watch the film, it was probably the highlights were me, you know, breaking tackles or making a move instead of trying to hit the guy and truck him. And I think that's what they're saying, um, you know, and I definitely felt like I showed them differently when I got to the league, uh, being able to, like you said, get those short yards, being able to run um, downhill and getting going in between the tackles and getting the yards needed. I think when I think of you in 2016, I think of your run against the Jets on Monday Night Football, where you flashed back to the left across the formation. Even though they're not having a great year, that's a really good defensive front. And you could see because half the runs that you had, you just ran into a brick wall in that game. But explain what you saw on that run that allowed you to run all the way left and break it for a touchdown? So with that run, it was a zone or a power to the left, um, coming right from right to left. And uh, So your assignment was to run left? Yep, my assignment was to run left. We had a pulling um, guard at the at Earl was our pulling guard. And so what I before the play starts, I look at outside, see the technique of the, the uh, outside linebacker or DN, and I seen he was a nine. And I knew Earl was going to Explain pull. that for people who don't know. So a nine is, um, so our tight end, a nine is the guy, he's lined up outside of the tight end, um, outside shoulder of uh, the tight end. That's a nine technique, and that's how he was lined up. And we had Earl pulling around, and Jermaine was that, that tight end. He had a great block on that nine technique. Earl came around, and I knew I had to cut it inside. Um, Earl came around and had a great block. Uh, at first, I thought the guy overshot it. That linebacker that was uh, the linebacker over the top, but he actually ended up getting pushed by Earl, getting pushed past the hole, and I was able to cut up. And then um, I looked to outside, and I seen that Larry Fitzgerald and John Brown had great blocks also, and I seen green grass. So I bounced it outside, and, you know, the rest was a, a foot race, and all those guys were continuing to block down the field. That is really valued here, isn't it? Wide receivers blocking downfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very valued a lot because uh, those runs are the ones that get, you know, me, get running backs going past the second level or going past the first level. Getting those longer runs is those guys continue to block down the field, especially those receivers that are really good at it. I also, when I watch you run sometimes, I think of something that Adrian Peterson once said. I, was, I did a story on it for Sports Illustrated once, and I asked him, so when you're running, and you're trying to break free and, and see freedom and get beyond the defense. What are you looking for? And he said, the only thing I look for when I run is I look for colors. So if we're playing Tampa, I'm looking red. Okay. And, you know, whatever. I'm looking at the color of the jersey and I'm saying, run away from them in whatever direction it is, except backwards. <laughs> you know, so do not run at, you know, those guys. So. What do you look for when the ball gets in your hand and you look up? Tell me what you're looking for. That's exactly right, color. Um, biggest thing is looking at color, uh, opposite color, and the leverages of guys. Um, you know, um, if they're outside leverage with the linebacker, is he outside leverage or the way he's technique coming up uh, to try to tackle me. That's what I'm looking at. And then, you know, right at the point of contact, a lot of it's kind of instincts, um, you know, because it's happened so quick that, um, a stiff arm or a spin or a jump cut is all really instincts. But at first, I'm looking at the opposite color, seeing what leverage, seeing what technique that defender is having on me. We're with David Johnson, running back of the Arizona Cardinals. David, um, you know, I wonder when you start having success and you go out and you're at a restaurant or you're at the mall, 
instead of people saying, hey, can I have your autograph? Do they now say, hey, you're helping me win my fantasy <laughs> league? I mean, to me, that is so overrun American society. Oh, 37 man. million people are playing fantasy football right now. How much of that do you hear? All the time. All I hear about is fantasy football. No matter who it is, no matter which team that person likes, <laughs> if they like the Eagles, if they like Tampa Bay, they are more happy that I won them their fantasy game than their favorite team losing, and that's all I hear. Matthew Barry the other night, the ESPN fantasy guru, probably the most famous fantasy football guy in America, tweeted out, well, now it's a contest between David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott for 2017 number one running back. And I'm saying... Can't we just enjoy 2016 <laughs> first? Are we all? Are we still thinking about 2017? Oh, you know, I'm definitely thinking about 2016. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, today's practice that we had, tomorrow's practice when it comes. I'm taking it day by day, play by play, and uh, moving forward from there. David, how hard is it for you to not think a year and a third into your career, man, I've really arrived? Look at me. I'm running for 100 yards. I'm scoring touchdowns every week. So how hard is it for you to sort of stay David Johnson, the hungry guy? Actually, it's not hard at all. Um, you know, with the veterans we have, B.A. is very good at keeping me Bruce level. Arians, yeah. Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is very good at keeping me level. Letting me know those mental errors that I had. Like you see after those post-game interviews, he'll tell the media what I did wrong, you know, even though – uh, some other people might have thought I had a good game, and I know I messed up. I know uh, I want to correct on those things that those mistakes I had. And when it comes down to it, I always think about um, you know where I started at, and uh, you know I was humbled early on, not getting recruited high, and that's what I always bring myself back to. Were you not recruited by any Division One schools? Not at all. I wow. didn't have uh, not one scholarship. Where um, was your high school? High school was Clinton, Iowa. And I didn't have not one D1 scholarship. Uh, had a maybe, possibly gray shirt from Iowa. Didn't know what it was at the time, so I definitely couldn't take that. Didn't really show any interest, and I didn't have any. I only had two. I only had two offers from D1 AA schools. Northern Iowa and what? Illinois State. Why did you go to Northern Iowa? Northern Iowa was. Um, I had a teammate from Clinton who played there, and then I went in there for a uh, visit. And uh, it felt like a great fit for me. Um, you know, I've met with all of the Christian athletes. Um, FCA was really big there. Fellowship Christian athletes were there, and I'm really big in a, uh, my Christian faith. My faith, and uh, you know, it felt like a great fit. So your upbringing, you really, you know, you had at times a very tough upbringing. You and your sisters and your mom. So what was the key to making it? What happened in your life that helped you make it instead of? not making it and just becoming just another guy? I think the biggest thing with me was that I kept myself busy. I feel like a lot of kids nowadays, when they're not playing sports or they're not doing active, I mean, I was on a dodgeball league <laughs> in, in uh, elementary all the way growing up until high school, and I just kept myself busy. You know, when they start getting bored, having free time, that's when I feel like a lot of the younger kids get into trouble. And uh, the biggest, How were you at dodgeball? I'm good. Oh, they call me glue hands, man. I, I could ca- <laughs> I, that's probably another reason why I'm pretty good at catching is, uh, you know, dodgeball helped out a lot. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's one of the biggest things. And also uh, keep my grades right and doing the, you know, the right thing. There probably aren't many players in the NFL who are one of triplets. So you were a triplet. Your two sisters were born on either side of you. Is that right? Yep, I'm the middle. Yeah. So what does your mom tell you about, you know, when she birthed triplets? The first thing I heard is she couldn't see her feet. <laughs> it was tough for her to walk. And, uh, well, because she was so pregnant. Yeah, she I guess. was so yeah. she was so uh, the belly was so you know big from having three of us, and uh, you know the biggest thing is that she couldn't she couldn't see her feet. It was tough <laughs> for her to uh, you know bend over and stuff, and uh, you know we ended up being premature babies. Um, I think born early. Um, I don't know how many weeks, but I know we were premature, and uh, you know it was tough for her. How much of your success do you owe to your mother? Um, you know, she has um, came a long way, and she's raised us good, um, you know, kept us, uh, tried to keep us out of trouble. So she's been she's done a good job when we were getting raised. Finishing up with uh, David Johnson, uh, running back of the Arizona Cardinals. So, David, 
I was going to ask you about the tough love from Bruce Arians, okay? Because you have these great games, and then he doesn't give you a game ball, and he always <laughs> says there are things that you can do better. So how do you feel about this tough love? Oh, it's great. Uh, it doesn't let me get complacent, and uh, it keeps me striving and um, getting better and learning and continue to growing and being an NFL player. David Johnson, really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Thank you. This is the MMQB Podcast. QB Podcast. You know, a couple of thoughts in the wake of the news in week seven. You know, I just thought this after being at the Arizona-Seattle game in Glendale, Arizona on Sunday night, and I thought how interesting it is that a game that ends in a 6-6 tie is really one of the most exhilarating, fun football games I've ever attended in my life. And you would think, oh my God, two kickers in overtime, one of them clanged a short field goal off the upright, and the other one was so embarrassingly wide left by Stephen Hauschka of the Seahawks that it was just a comedy of errors. But you know, it just reinforced that they're human beings playing this game. And human beings succumb to pressure. And both of these guys, look, the Arizona Cardinals had to have this victory. Three losses already, two games behind uh, the Seahawks in a very tough division, knowing the Cardinals did, that five of their last seven games are on the road. And it was a desperate Arizona team that took the field on Sunday night. But You know, I had the good fortune. I was at the game in my other job as an analyst and reporter for NBC Football Night in America. And at the end of the game, I was on the field over on the Arizona sideline, and I wanted to be over there after Chandler Catanzaro missed his short field goal. He clanged it off the upright. And as he walked to the sideline, and he got to the sideline, I looked at him, and it was just the classic case of, the worst moment of a person's life. He just wanted to crawl in a hole. And as he stood on the sidelines, I I don't do this very often, but I took a photograph of Chandler Catanzaro, and it is in the current Monday morning quarterback, uh, my column at the MMQB.com. And the photo basically shows... You know, I wish I could could have shown the crowd on the sidelines a little bit better, but basically on an NFL sidelines, you can see it when you watch the games. You can see the monstrous amount of people. You know, what are they all doing there? Who knows? But there's a huge number of people there. And Chandler Catanzaro walks to the sidelines and the Red Sea parted. And nobody wanted to be anywhere near him. And he just stood there on the sidelines. And it's almost like there was a force field around him. Nobody was standing anywhere near the kicker who had just missed the field goal that would have changed the division race in the NFC West. Why did he miss it? How did he miss it? There's no question. As you listen to this right now, whether it's three days after that game or three weeks after that game, he still will be tormented by a game that came down to a kick he could have made in seventh grade, and he clanged it off the upright. And I just tell you that story because it's just one of those things that occurred to me watching that game that we just expect perfection of these players. And after the game, Bruce Arians, the coach of the Cardinals, even snarled to a question, what did you say to Chandler Catanzaro after that? And Arians growled because he was not a happy man after this game. Basically growled, make the kick. This ain't high school. And I understand it. There's no doubt about it. Anybody will understand the unhappiness of a play like that. But I also think that it's one of the things that make us really love sports because nothing is guaranteed, nothing is certain, and uh, that's what I learned on Sunday night. Both Arizona and Seattle have to have left the University of Phoenix Stadium saying to themselves, we just blew this game. How in the world did we lose this game? And the strangest thing, I'll leave you with this. I'm walking off the field after the game, and I'm with David Johnson, who we just spoke to 
and I was talking to him about it, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. He was in a daze. He just simply could not believe what he had just witnessed. And so my, my editor, Don Bonvasuto, who edits Monday Morning Quarterback, we were talking about it, and I said, you know, that is the best bad football game I've ever seen in my life. In fact, it was bad, but it was really, really compelling theater. And finally, after a streak of really, really bad games this season, the NFL had a bad game on Sunday night. Only this one was fantastic theater. Thanks to my guest, Matthew Barry of ESPN and David Johnson, running back of the Arizona Cardinals. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with John Elway, Drew Brees, and Rich Eisen. You can find these on the MMQB.com or on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Listen to the other podcasts in our series as well, with Albert Breer, Gary Gramling, and Andy Benoit. Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work, and thanks, of course, to my sponsors, SeatGeek, Stamps.com, and Blue Apron. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you next week. This has been a Digital Media production. Find your voice.